0: If you'll take a copy of God's Word and turn to Luke chapter 18, if you're using a pew Bible, you'll find that on page 1628, 1628. We will um, pick up again our series on Joshua in two weeks. This week we have a text that's been dear to my heart for a while. I want to take an opportunity to preach from it, and then next week we'll do our yearly um, New Year's Resolution sermon. And I have a few things to present before you for that. Um, This morning we're looking at Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. But before we read, let's ask for God's blessing upon the reading of His Word. Our, Our Lord and our God, we thank you that you have given us your Word. For Father, without it we would not know anything about you, about how we might be saved. The heavens might declare your glory, but we only know enough so that we would stand condemned. But your word tells us about salvation. And so we rejoice and ask, Lord, that you would send the same Spirit who inspired those holy men to write it, that he might enlighten our hearts this morning, that hearing we might believe all the more. pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. I'm going to start again. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who feared neither God nor respected man. There was a widow in, this, in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. The interpretive key for this text is this first verse. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. You know, as Christians, we are not immune to suffering. We're not immune to hardship. In fact, if we learn anything from the Word of God, is when we sign up to be a Christian, we sign up for even more suffering and more hardship. And suddenly the word persecution becomes a real thing. And spiritual warfare becomes a daily reality. This text tells us that there is a, a key component, a, a correlation. There's a very sure um, tie-in link between not losing heart and having a life of persistent prayer five years ago this month um, was probably one of the darkest uh, times of my life I just graduated seminary and the job that we thought we had lined up fell through and the job I was working uh, that would provide our housing, it ended with my graduation. And the job I was working at the library at the school, it ended too because I was no longer a student. And I was about to have to have surgery, sinus surgery, and I'd be uh, in a chair for about three weeks just miserable. I was unemployed and had no real prospects. Now we were only unemployed for three months and 16 days, uh, give or take. Uh, but you don't know it in the middle of that, do you? You don't know how long this season will last. Those are very long, hard days. And, and I don't know, you, know that I can tell you I did all that well not losing heart. Perhaps you know the same struggles. Perhaps the dawning of a new year makes you not joyful but thinking another year of this. Of taking care of loved ones and not having time for yourself. Of faith, facing health crises The doctor says will only get worse by dealing with children who won't listen, spouses whose love have grown cold, or jobs that seem like a dead end. But let me tell you something this morning. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Jesus told this parable to his disciples and they had plenty of reasons to lose heart. He said, don't lose heart, but Pray. For God has given us a weapon. He has given us a tool. He has given us an instrument in prayer that would cause us not to lose heart. When we lose heart, we run to the Lord in prayer and we remember that we are going to the only one who has any power to do anything about anything in our lives. We lose heart when we think that something will never change. Do you think anything is too great for our Lord? There's nothing impossible with God, we're told throughout Scripture. As we despair of our own strength and think, I could never fix this situation. This situation will never get better. And even if it doesn't, I will never get through it. But he told them a parable to the effect they ought always to pray and not lose heart. There's that link between not losing heart and prayer. My friends, the way to not lose heart in good times or in bad. Because even in good times we can lose heart is to constantly and be persistently in prayer before our Lord and our Savior. Prayer's not a, a magic trick or a silver bullet. And often the change comes not when the situations change but when the Lord changes us as we come to him in prayer for weeks, months, years, decades perhaps. Sometimes we even struggle with not losing heart over the Lord not answering a prayer in the way we desire. My brother-in-law is a PCA pastor out in Utah and he likes to say that God gives us what we want or something better. He always gives us what we ask for or something better. Though sometimes our definition of something better uh, isn't always that of the Lord's. So there's this link that I want to explore this morning between... Persistent prayer and not losing heart. Because my friends, we have faith. We've been saved by. We believe in. We belong to a God who is able to do mighty things. Well, this parable, we have two characters. The first is this unrighteous judge. Now, he's not a believer. He's not a God-fearer. He's not a Jew. He's not a Christian. We learn in 1 Corinthians 6 that God's people were... Um, subject to the um, judicial um, uh, authority of the Romans during this period. So he was a pagan. He was a pagan Roman. He would have worshipped false gods. And he is unrighteous. He's unrighteous because he's unjust. Verse 6 tells us this. And he only gives justice when it's convenient to him or when it's in his best interest. You know, God's people today live in this kind of situation all the time. Under authorities, under rulers who are ungodly. And might perhaps require ungodly things or, or treat people in an ungodly way. I remember talking to a friend of mine in college. He went on a mission trip to Malawi one summer. And he was two days away from coming home. And he got pulled over. He was speeding and he admits that he was speeding. I don't recommend speeding in such countries. And a, and a, and a policeman pulled him over. And it was pretty clear that the policeman was not going to let him leave unless he received a bribe. Now scripture's clear. Bribery sin. What do you do in that situation where you've got an unjust person in authority over you? God's people live in that kind of situation all over the world. And this is the kind of situation that this widow is facing. This is an unjust, an unrighteous judge who neither respected man nor feared God. Now we will remember that the, that the law is summed up in those two great laws, those two great commandments, to, to love the Lord and to love your neighbor, man and God. And by the fact that he neither respects man nor fears God shows us that he's not anywhere close to the mark. And he admits it later in, in this parable. Neither fearing God nor respecting man, this isn't something you want written on your tombstone. You know, as we face um, many trials in this life, sometimes we come up against authorities who uh, just won't do their job. I don't mean you forget. I mean someone who just doesn't do it. I remember uh, we have friends who adopted out of China. And this person could not be bothered to do his job Because they they never, neither respected man, excuse me, not the person that we know, the the authorities in China. You know that when the the adoption process is very long indeed and and the, the application would sit on one person's desk for months and months and months and all it needed was a stamp. They just couldn't be bothered because they didn't respect man nor fear God. They did not know that each man is given dignity and must be treated as such. And this is what the judge does. The, the widow is constantly coming for justice and he just can't be bothered. He can't be bothered because he does not know God and he does not respect man. He only gives justice out of self-interest. We see this in verses 4 and 5. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. The Greek word that's translated beat here is to give a black eye. He didn't want to get too many black eyes, as it were, verbally from this widow. Well, who is this widow anyway? Widows certainly face trials in today's world, but, but in that day, even more so. They were without an advocate. If this woman had had an advocate, she would have had one going to the judge for her. Widows in that time, if they had a husband who died who had an estate, they didn't inherit that estate. And so she was left with several options. One, if she stayed with her family's, her husband's family, she would end up having a very inferior position. And not much better than a slave or a servant. If she returned to her family, if there was a dowry that was paid upon her marriage, she'd have to return it. she had to pay it back. These widows weren't necessarily old. Most women married in their early-mid-twenties, and so there were a lot of widows in their, in their to, early-to-mid-teens. And so there were many widows who were in their mid-twenties and destitute. She was poor. She had not hired a lawyer Scripture is really clear about um, not oppressing the poor, the widow, and the sojourner. It has some of its strongest curses for those who would do so. What does she do? What does she do? She is constantly going to this judge asking for justice. It is likely that some possession had been taken from her, and any possession would have been precious to her. And so she keeps going to this judge asking for justice against some adversary. The focus here is on the fact that she kept going. She kept going. She kept going. She kept going. In prayer, when we are seeking not to lose heart, we are called to consistently and constantly and with great perseverance to continue to go to the Lord and He will give us strength. For we go in prayer to the only one who has any power to do anything About anything. We forget. We forget the power of prayer. That we would come before a different kind of judge. For the contrast is apparent in our text. That we are meant to contrast the Lord God Almighty with this unjust judge. And whereas this judge is unrighteous and unjust. Our judge. Our God. Our sovereign. Our Lord. Our master. Our maker. He is always just. And though justice may seem to tarry for a time, justice will always prevail, especially when the Lord comes back. And He is God, whereas the unjust judge neither respected man nor feared God, our judge, He is God, and surprisingly, surprisingly, He respects man. Psalm 8, verses 3 through 6 detail this very well. When When I look at your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet. When we come to the Lord, he loves to be quote unquote bothered by us. The unjust judge didn't want to be bothered by anybody. But our father, he loves to hear from his children. And how much more will he help us if the unjust judge would finally give justice to this woman? See, persistent prayer changes everything, including us. Verses 7 and 8 tell us, And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night, Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. You know, prayer changes the situation. And prayer changes us. I know I've shared this a million times. But my great-grandmother, 98 years old, a very ungodly woman, we prayed desperately for her. All my childhood, persistent prayer, the whole family. The day before she died, she came to know the Lord Jesus. Persistent prayer. It changed us. It made us more dependent upon the Lord for her conversion. And ultimately changed her and her her eternal destiny. Persistent prayer. I want to ask you as as we come to a close to think about how we might be in prayer for this next year. Next week, Lord willing, we'll unpack a few elements that are common to any revival and I want to encourage us to pray for each and every one of those elements together persistently over this next year. But will you gather with me and the officers of our church as we pray diligently for revival this year in our midst? As we pray for the Lord to do a great work first in our hearts, in our church, in our community? I'm convinced the only thing that will bring a work of the Lord anywhere in our nation, in our world, in our hearts, is through persistent prayer. As we beat down the, the door of heaven. There's a warning at the end of this parable. It's uh, found in 8b. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? May the Lord find faith in great numbers and great strength here in Bruton when he returns. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you in prayer. We come to you, Father, humbly as your people, boldly as those redeemed by Christ. Asking you, Lord, to do a great work in our hearts. Lord, oftentimes it's just hard to pray. The idea of being persistent in prayer is is something foreign to us because we just struggle to pray at all. So Lord, I pray that you would give us a greater zeal and a greater desire to pray all the more, even as we come together this year and pray, Lord, for revival. You would do such a thing that if we were to be told, our our ears would tingle and we wouldn't even believe it. pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.